second episode of Is This Thing On with uh, my good friend Robert Ramsey, a.k.a. Bama Bobby. Hey. Uh, what's up, what's up, We're going on our way hiking out on uh, the Olympic Peninsula in Washington. It's a gloomy day. Classic uh, Seattle. I honestly didn't realize we were going to the Olympic Peninsula. I thought, <laughs> we're, I thought we were going south this whole time. That's very classic. Yeah, we were thinking about going to Rainier, too. Um, so, so Bobby is an aerospace engineer at, uh, currently at Mitsubishi, and he's a good friend of mine. We first lived together when I lived at the University of Washington Sigma Chi house. Uh, we were both the outsiders in town, and uh, good days. since then we've been best friends and, you know, family, and it's great to spend a day with Bobby. So welcome to the, the podcast. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm yeah. actually pretty excited. I've been listening to podcasts pretty often. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool medium. Uh, well, so let's dive right into it, man. So you're you're an engineer uh, and a pretty pretty hardcore engineer. So like, what is the what are the big challenges uh, that you see in you know coordinating large scale engineering projects where you're actually building something, you know, building a plane? And like, what's cool about that to you? Yeah. So the cool thing is that. On a large scale, I think the projects are really awesome and really cool. You get to see what you're doing if you're in that type of engineering. Like uh, for me, testing side, you get to see the planes very often. Um, I feel I feel like the biggest struggles with that would be maybe like being okay with exactly what you're doing because I feel like everyone in engineering kind of has this idea when they sign up that they're solving like crazy big problems and they're playing like this massive role. And unfortunately, that's sometimes not the case, especially with large aviation things. Um, yeah, yeah. You usually have like a very certain subsect field if you're going into a more technical route, or if you want to be more broad, then it kind of becomes like a information gathering and packaging deal, like we were just talking about. So, right. I think those are probably the biggest things. So it's kind of like for me, at least a big battle of like, do I want to be large scale thinking or do I want to be small scale like in the weeds thinking? So so what would you say you're currently, are you, you're more of the small scale thinking, like focusing on specific? I would say more medium to large scale at this point. Can Just, you describe what you're doing there? Yeah, so as of now, I'm basically a program manager for a testing airplane, like a testing aircraft for a 90 person regional jet. So that job mostly includes kind of taking in everything that we need to do in order to fly the plane and test it. So whether that be aircraft configuration, uh, testing requirements, testing specs, and testing cards. So I kind of just coordinate a multi-site organization to have priorities. Like I set the schedule, I put the priorities there, and then I make sure that everyone is tracking to what they have to do in order to get the aircraft off the ground to make a flight. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so take me through like how you got to the point you're at today. Like, what did you study in college, and like what what were you interested in as a kid, and like is this where you expected to be at the age of 26? Yeah. Um, so, I growing up, I was always like super into Star Wars, and I was always kind of a geek. I lived near airports, so like planes were always kind of cool, but it was always like a spacecraft thing, um, and. I was always pretty good at math. So my dad or my stepdad recommended aerospace engineering. I looked into it. And from what I knew as a kid, kind of like what I was getting at, 
and what I'm doing now, they're like totally separate things. Like I thought I would be designing like a whole airframe type thing. So it'll be like way more large scale, but still technical. And I'm sure that's more just being a kid and not really knowing what you're getting into. Um, but I kept with that, went to the University of Alabama, roll tide, uh, aerospace engineering there. And I discovered I really liked like structural engineering as well as propulsion. So after getting an internship with Aerotech, a small engineering firm on the Mitsubishi project, um, I decided to come out to Seattle, focus on fluids and, and, uh, and propulsion in my work as well as I went to UW for my master's there. Um, and after a propulsion job, I liked it a good bit, uh, just going full-time propulsion engineering. It was really good to brag at the bars, you know? And right, right. <laughs> uh, but for, I feel like for those listening, there, Bobby's yeah. bragged many times to girls at a bar about being yeah. a propulsion engineer. And uh, then smirked at me as that's something fancy. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like I was trying to get laid or anything like that. It was more so <laughs> like, I'm just being an asshole about this. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah, a lot, of, a lot of comparisons to what other people did, yeah. perhaps. In all seriousness, uh, being a propulsion engineer is like something that to the outside listener, you know, might sound like a crazy complex job uh, and like totally unattainable. Like, do you feel like that's the case or do you feel like it's become to the point where it's like simple for you how to do it? And, uh... Um, yeah, that's a good question. Like for me, I... I felt like I wasn't being challenged enough, and I don't think I'm this crazy smart guy by any means. I think that's kind of the thing when you think propulsion engineer, you're, you're thinking you're like just doing crazy rocket science and stuff. But for me, it was more just like data analysis and making sure things worked right to like the system level requirements. Honestly, I felt more kind of like a lawyer, just like reading stuff, like a technical lawyer, reading stuff, making sure that it was working correctly compared to the specs and and. Uh, some simple just analysis it wasn't anything crazy for me and I'm not really sure maybe if that was just from the years of education and stuff like that but I was the one unsatisfying part about that job is that I felt like I was not making too big of an impact like right. becoming more of like a data monkey type guy right um, and maybe that's just a, maybe that's just like a entry level position right, right. Like you get more into it you get more experience then maybe you start doing that more complicated stuff but I'm kind of impatient so I didn't know how, how long I could deal with that yeah yeah for sure for sure um so you know making planes are complicated I always wonder this when I'm like flying like what what about planes to you like is magic still and what about planes like scares the shit out of you now that you know how the sausage is made so to speak um so I would say the magic part is coordination of human beings to get a plane in the air to test all these systems and to make there's like a special number I can't forget but it's like one to the negative ninth power of like an odd of a catastrophic event or negative like 16 something like that like some crazy low probability of anything terrible happening to a plane which in a sense it's for me it's kind of hard to like think about like how are these guys really doing this like statistical analysis on what is the odds of like two things happening to make like a catastrophic event 
are three things happening, four things happening. So that's probably, I guess, the more thing that I'm like, I want to say I'm afraid of. It's just something I don't know. Right. It's just like that statistical evaluation of the, like, these systems failing at a time. Yeah, so, yeah. All in all, like, I don't, I don't think planes necessarily are scare me on getting on them. It's more so the coordination of humans is way more complex, I think, on making a plane servicing a plane getting the plane out like on time in the airport is way harder than like the actual design of the aircraft right right so like what excites you about the coordination of humans i mean i think that's a lot of what you you talk about doing and like what like do you get amped up when you go to work or is it like kind of like so for the coordination side of that yeah i definitely enjoy that i think it's more just playing like a decent role Leading a team, having a voice is always something I really enjoyed. Probably since like uh, high school, like uh, becoming like a wrestling captain. Was yeah, like a big thing for me. So, yeah, talk a little bit about that. You wrestled in high school, right? And yeah, you're, like pretty into it. So for me, that was probably the first time I felt like as a leader was that I got into wrestling in my junior year, and by the time I was a senior, year, I ended up being okay, pretty good. And, Captain, so so in two years, basically. Yeah, yeah. So it was a pretty good turnaround, and I gained like a lot of popularity. So it was like a boost of confidence. Were, were you like sure. a nerd before that, or like I was definitely like a skater. Like I played video oh, games, yeah, yeah. type thing. I would say I was a nerd, but like wasn't in with the the most popular. That crowd. was your metal phase, right? Yeah, like, you were into heavy metal. Still yeah, still going. Still going. <laughs> for that, for the, the listeners, me and Bobby have been to a few heavy metal concerts, moshing. And uh, it's, a it's, a, it's an experience for yeah. sure. A lot of energy. It's good. Yeah. I, it's yeah. a type of meditation, I would say. Yeah, how say. would you say it's a type of meditation? <laughs> All right, let's go into that. I mean, yeah. we, I mean, I've talked about meditation a little bit on my blog. Like, what do you what do you find meditative about that physicality? So, I mean, and, and this is also what I found like meditative about like wrestling and stuff is that I think as humans we have like a mat, like so many different emotions, right? Like. When you meditate, you're focusing on being calm and, like, kind of working out the kinks of, like, what you are happy with or not happy with. Like, just actual meditation, right? Like, the, the standard, like, going to a temple type thing. Right. But for, like, wrestling and, like, moshing or something like that, you do have, like, at least I have this, like, aggression side where it's, like, well, I can't show this day-to-day. And maybe this will, like, if I exert this aggression in, like, a standard template like where it's okay it's accepted i don't have to i don't feel it like bottled up in me you know? right so maybe it's just more of an expression getting it out of your system yeah and yeah going back and being like normal do you miss that like not having wrestling anymore i know we've talked about like brazilian jiu-jitsu and other forms of like outlet of physicality but uh yeah yeah i think that's honestly one of the things that i'm missing the most in like a uh like outside work type thing is that because I live in such a small town there's no outlet yeah. to do that anywhere within like yeah. 60 miles yeah let's go into that actually so so Bobby for the listeners uh, lives in this town called Moses Lake uh, which is you know three hours away from Seattle he commutes over on the weekends which is when I see him and we go hiking so he's found challenges you know living in a small town as a young adult so, so tell me a little bit about that experience uh, yeah. what is what have you liked? What have you disliked? Yeah, so... You know, what are your plans for the future? Definitely. Um, so, I, I started 
as an engineer in Seattle, so it was like a really cool place to start, you know, definitely as a young adult, and going into this like more project role, I went into Moses Lake, where I had the week weekdays there, and weekends there, or weekends in Seattle, and at first it wasn't too bad, right, like, um, you know, you just, like, work, the weekdays were work days, and the weekends I just enjoyed myself, but you, the struggle that I had initially, or uh, the first struggle was just, like, the duality of basically that I had two homes and I had to split my time between both homes and every weekend I lost like six hours driving there and back and every weekday I lost like time just hanging out with friends and so on so the positive side is like I really I, it, it helped me want to be at peace of just being alone because that was something that it really forced me to do right. which I never really had to do until then because uh, Moses Lake is a town of like 20,000 people. I only knew work people. Alone in 20,000 people. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also had this like complex of where like I didn't want to be like very good friends with any work people. Like I was, I don't know why, I was like I was afraid for them to like know me outside of work. And I don't know, it was just some weird thing I had with me. But uh, it also got me out of my shell being more like personable yeah as well so, what so like what did you do to kind of become more comfortable being alone like was it just something that happened over time or were there things that you tried to you know cultivate that honestly i wish i had like a better answer of like it was like an effort it was more just like i feel like i was just forced into it so it was like a sink or swim transition and there was definitely like, some nights where i just like hated it and i, I guess i guess i'll take that back like i it, it it made me like it forced myself to kind of just start like realizing what I like to do so like one was like working out playing basketball so the things where I started feeling like, super down I would just take a basketball and go to like a hoop and then just shoot like through, like shoot around fuck around and uh, that was something I always did as like a kid so it kind of took me back to being a kid like not being like not like seeing friends for a while and just being able to entertain yourself so yeah. What do you associate with being a kid? We've talked a little bit about, like, your brother just moved out here and hanging out with him, and how that reminds you of, you know, your childhood. I mean, are there other things that come to mind there? I think... So, as a kid, I was, like, super hyperactive, and I really gave a shit about school or trying. I was, like, more just focused on, like, sports and right. having a good time. So, I would just say hang out with friends and, like, playing sports not like super serious sports like more just like basketball like pickup games or always something really big seeing family always like whenever I go back to uh, Florida now which isn't where I grew up but um, my folks moved down there after college whenever I go back there I feel like I revert to this like less anxious state like a less having to do something state and more just relaxing so I think as a kid my idea of like being happy is mostly like my idea like when I was a kid just playing video games and literally having nothing to do and, and just enjoying that time like now I think every, every, everyone's at like this rush to do stuff and, right. and like become the first this get a house like do good at your job and before it wasn't like it was nothing like, you know just coming out do you find those moments in adult life ever where you feel super relaxed and you're just in the moment you know not as 
with older friends, definitely. Like with you, I definitely can get can get that way. But if I'm hanging out with people where I'm not really close to them, right? I, I don't feel that way. Yeah, which I'm sure a lot of I, people yeah, I struggle with that. that a ton. I mean, like that's why I've been trying to spend more one-on-one time with people because it is really relaxing to just kind of do something, not for the sake of you know it being shared on Instagram. Or, you know, we were talking before about how I, I've deleted Instagram from my phone. I still check it occasionally on the internet, but. You know, not sharing it on a story so everybody sees it, uh, and more just having that time with somebody who, who matters to you uh, is is pretty important, I think. It's a hard transition, I, I feel like, um, because at least for me, I was always hammered into uh, you just have to do stuff like anything productive with your life, you know, and you're, you have a set time now, like because of work, so that whole like time to just fuck around and hang out with friends and not go on social media or anything like that is gone so now you don't have like half of your waking time so even with that half of your waking time you're still spending time on social media so then you're comparing your life to their life and no one ever posts anything shitty on social media right everyone's like stunning super hard so it kind of gets you low can you explain i had this issue with zach where we would use uh slang that i don't know if everybody listening to the podcast will understand because I know my mom listens to this and uh, I'm sure she won't understand so I can imagine other people can you explain stunning, what stunning super hard means yeah. to you? Okay <laughs> um, for sure for sure so for me stunning super hard would be showing off their best life like everyone wants to depict that they have this perfect life on social media and I think that's very true like to 99% of people like everyone everyone Anything that anyone posts will be going out somewhere cool, like going to Spain, going to somewhere like that, just showing off that like they're successful, maybe like making a big post about how satisfying their work is or something, anything of that nature. Very rarely do you ever see anything remotely negative in like a post. Because if you do, it's like off-putting. Like I had a really good friend, Josh Van. Josh Van posted a video of him like crying because he lost like a, a loved one. And to me, like, one, he's, like, a really good friend of mine. But even still, I was like, wow, this is... I've never seen a video like this yeah. on, like, any format of, like, a person I know. Yeah. And, like, it, it was well-received, but at the same time, it's like, why... Like, this is normal life. Like, every... Like, highs and lows are normal. So why is, why do you only see highs? Yeah. And you don't really realize the people not posting right now are the people having, like, normal live, live moments, you know? Yeah. So... And you don't get that, so... All you see is just highs of highs. Well, and the the interesting thing is that the lows, too, are, you know, the extreme lows, right? I've seen people recently post things, traumatic events that have happened to them, you know, getting hurt or, you know, someone dying. And I empathize with that and I sympathize with it, but it is kind of weird that that is, you know, what people are sharing, right? It's the extremes uh, of life. And a lot of times it's positive because the, the... extreme negatives are you know sad but that middle ground is not really explored and most of life is in that middle ground yeah that's a good point honestly because i feel like i mostly focus on the extreme sides but yeah like when i see someone just posting something like oh yeah i took a stroll uh, even i'm thinking like man why is this on social media even though right. <laughs> like you know what I mean? but in reality that's not what it should be like it's yeah it's real life and I, I think older people do that better. Yeah, I, I saw that. I was thinking better. of this photographer I saw at the 
MoMA who just posts something every day, basically, and it's like a, a bagel. And he's like an incredible photographer, you know? His photos are amazing. He's been all over the country just capturing what he's seen. And sorry, we just went over a nice little pothole that we're on, we're on the backcountry road now. Uh, and he, his Instagram is so mediocre, but it's the practice to him that is what's useful, you know? It's not the sharing or the likes. And I've thought about this a lot recently. I mean, I wrote that post about digital minimalism. I talked to Zach about this. Um, but how much of our lives are like validated versus, you know, focused on the practice for practice sake? And is practice even worth it if you're not, if there's no outcome from it? Um, you know, on the one hand, like, performance is a cool thing to strive for like we have the tools now to like optimize and measure and do all these things uh, but that leads to a lot of unhappiness too if you're not using them in an intentional way uh, and I, I've definitely gone down this rabbit hole where I feel the need to like why can't I be perfect why can't I you know have something that is like that other people are, are achieving but really like that achievement I feel like comes from purpose you know comes from like intentionally going after something and doing it not getting that that validation right? yeah, does that yeah. make sense no i totally agree with that i was i was just thinking like what what is the last thing for you because i have one spe- like we talked briefly on this but i have one specifically in my mind what's the last thing for you that you like had complete passion for that like you Ugh. were just gunning for like it didn't matter if you're good or bad it's just like i wanted to do this to get better but also just because I, I love doing it yeah, that's a tough question because I think I've realized that I, I don't have this. I think rugby may be a sport, you know, is like the, the thing. Um, and even that was kind of a means of socializing. Outside of that, I don't know. I kind of struggle with leisure time. I'm trying to pick up that thing. I tried to pick up guitar. Uh, I remember in, like, high school and stuff, it was, like, RuneScape, right, or some video game or something, oh, yeah. you know, but, but yeah, just, like, the joy of, like, pursuing mastery over something. Guitar is going, I'm, I still practice, uh, I need to get into a, a habit of practice, but, yeah, I don't think guitar is that, that passion for me, perhaps, and realizing that's tough, you know, like, I don't know, I guess I question if it's, like is it something that just like clicks right you just do something and uh you know you're like this is the thing i have to do or is it kind of arbitrary and like it's a practice to figure out you know to cultivate that passion i really think it's kind of a practice to like let go of all those voices in your head that say oh you should be doing other stuff and just going to do exactly what you want to do in that moment right um yeah what about you what 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 do you think of as the last thing that was like you just gunned yeah. after well one thing before i get to that speaking on guitar um i've always me and you both always really like music and i've always like like really wanted to like get good at an instrument but whenever i pick one up it's just i don't know i just don't feel the same thing i feel listening to music yeah and i it's, want i feel that too and i wonder if that's because i've become so consumptive right that like my what I like is to consume information. I love reading. I love listening to podcasts. Like there's so much information, but getting into a state of creativity, you know, like that's one of the reasons I really like podcasting and and blogging is because it's one of the rare times where I'm like, because I don't care about how good I am at it. I'm, I'm, 
effectively just creating, right? It's not consumptive. Yeah. Um, and I think getting more into that mode is, is really important. Uh, but it's hard, you know, there's so much, it's so easy to get whatever music you want. You know, you go on Spotify and get that hit of dopamine that comes from like listening to a Gucci Mane song or whatever we like, like mobbing out to. Um, Ferrari boys. Ferrari boys, yeah, exactly. Ferrari boys and the Civic. Um, so, yeah, it's just really interesting to me. That's a good point. Um, I, I and, I, and I wonder if you strip away some of that consumption, like you give yourself time to be creative and, you know, actually try things out. And that's one of the things I've been, you know, testing out recently. I, I when I was home, uh, as the precursor to the last podcast, you know, I was going up to Vermont with my friend Zach and we just spent a lot of time not doing anything, you know, doing, you know, he's an artist, uh, I, I write. And so we kind of spent time sitting there reading, cooking, uh, and so doing more of that just feels really good and feels like really important in like cultivating a good life. But I want to hear what, what was the last thing you felt like obsessed okay, with? Yeah, definitely go back to that. Um, so we talked about it. Mine and to this day I still feel, to this day I still feel this way is wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. It was something that, and it, it was interesting because when I started I got into wrestling just like fucking around with friends, you know, just being a teenager and yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah. just wrestling with some friends. And then um, I had a good buddy of mine, Mike, uh, talked me into just going into just like an open mats before practice and I just started really getting into it. And it didn't really matter like what people thought about it because I was a junior and like, I don't know, like I probably wasn't, I was always like a fairly small guy. So people were like, kind of talked me down like thinking like I shouldn't I remember my girlfriend at the time was like yeah you probably shouldn't go you're just gonna get your ass kicked type thing and I was like oh, I enjoy it like I'm just gonna do it for whatever and that just developed into like a extreme passion like going in the off season like um, like practicing just at home just any any type of time like looking at videos and I don't know it was weird like I know I get I get like slightly obsessive about like a lot of different things it's kind of my personality but for wrestling, I picked it up for like a long time. It was like a span of three years. I was just like really into this one thing. And I'll say the next best thing would be skiing, but yeah. it's always been like a, a session of something, but it it's always short-lived. Right. So if I can expand that for like multiple years, it's, it's pretty nice. And I think that's... So why haven't you done that since? Like what has like uh, stopped you? Well, the one hard thing, I guess, for me is after you drop something and you pick it back up again, you're never as good as you were, and that's always hard to fight with. And also, on top of that, uh, just work, man. Busy life. Uh, trying to balance that with a social life and a girlfriend and all that jazz. It, it gets it gets a lot. Yeah. 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 But I think I think it becomes a prioritization though. Like what what really makes me happy? Because if I'm saying this is making me that happy, why why am I not doing it? Right. So that's a good point. Well, I mean. That gets to a more fundamental question of, like, do you think that being happy is... Maximizing happiness is the purpose of life? I've heard a couple people talk on this. So, what are the two arguments? Is there there two arguments? Is it, like, productivity or happiness? Or is there are they different spectrums? Well, I guess it kind of depends how you define happiness. I, I mean... Yeah, happiness in the the pleasure sense versus happiness in the you know purpose sense. Like, are you are you maximizing impact? Are you maximizing enjoyment? 
uh, are you ma- you know are you maximizing lifestyle? Yeah, I mean for wrestling at least, it's always interesting because like the things that brought up or the things that you had to do to get to that match, like cutting weight and all this other stuff, it was not something I enjoyed. It was like the after effect, like the output of wrestling, like the winning a match made me feel like super purposeful and like all that stuff and right. losing and then learning may feel super purposeful and like overcoming these challenges so for me it seems like i my happiness has always been like a uh output happiness and i don't know if that's necessarily like the correct way to think i don't think there is a correct way right it's just how you are as a person so it becomes it becomes kind of like a double-edged sword though because maybe you're you're shooting really hard uh, to get this purpose, but you're not getting the output you want. So, what do you do then? Do you quit that craft, or do you go to another craft? I don't know. I don't know if I've uh, figured that out. I think. I guess it depends what makes you feel the most content, right? Like I know, I know for certain people, having a certain lifestyle, they need to have a certain lifestyle, right? Like you need to have like a nice place you need to have a um you know access to the outdoors you need to have x y and z in order to like feel happy right that's like your base state Mm. and so i've always kind of viewed money as like the the means of getting that right and so you have to figure out a lifestyle that allows you to do that and then outside of that time you know you you can work within that environment to to create and if the creativity is getting in the way of having that environment or like you can't get the right output you want with that creative pursuit in that environment then maybe you know you think about switching or you think about like do I need that environment and you know devoting more time to that creativity uh, or that output Seems so, like so like a troubleshooting process do you think I just think it's individual you know like I think some people are are like crazy like an actor right just like moves to LA and gives up everything to go be an actor and there's a risk with that right and you have to be like okay accepting that risk and with the trade-offs and the sacrifices like it's not all you know glory right away um so I don't know so we are at the hiking trailhead now but you know we're on the the topic of purpose and I wanted to see if you had a quick one-line summary of what you think your purpose in life right now is. I just get money, man. Get money? (laughs) Get money, get paid? Um, I think as of now, what I think my... What I want... Wow, this is a steep hill. Yeah, that's not... That's tough. That's tough. Um, So my purpose in life or what I want my purpose in life to be? What can you... Yeah, what what do you what is your purpose in life? Okay. What would be your statement of saying like what do you what are you maximizing for? What are you optimizing for? So what I want my purpose in life to be, which is what I'm trying to make moves for, is to be there for like the close friends and family. Um, I feel like I I've kind of been lack, lacking that. So I'll say one liner: friends, family and innovation just because i do like work a lot if work is interesting and my work is innovation so Mm -hmm. i enjoy that nice well thanks for uh coming on the show uh 
appreciate appreciate the time. This will probably be posted in a few days and get some embarrassment from yeah you know, people I don't listening to hear it. my voice. I'm not oh, you got to listen to it, it no man. Way, it's great. No way. <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys for listening again. If you ever want to come on the show, reach out.